0: Welcome to Honest Conversations, a podcast that was envisioned to bring unedited thoughts inside the education system. My name is Carmen Darville, known to my work peeps as CRD, and I'm your host, a wife, mom of two, and the Chief of Staff at YES Prep Public Schools. Today, I'm here with Sarah Landsman, a fellow teammate and our Managing Director of Advocacy. She knows the politics, she hates my sports analogies, and she joined YES within the past year and has been moving and shaking ever since. She's a connector, researcher, and creates agency. It's like she works in advocacy or something. Weird. Let's welcome Sarah Landsman to a special two-part lineup on our legislative session currently underway. Landsman, how goes it? It's going well. Okay, so let's warm up with some sentence stems. I hoped you peeped these in advance. One of my favorite movies of all time is... Camelot. Hmm. My favorite day of the week is... Saturday. My favorite holiday is... Thanksgiving. No hesitation. The best part of the pandemic has been... I was fortunate enough to keep a job the whole time. And so with everything getting canceled,
1: I saved a lot of money throughout the pandemic. (laughs) Fair. One
0: thing currently bringing me joy is... I am getting a puppy this weekend. Oh, a bad dang puppy. Here we go. (laughs) Join the club. So traditional ISDs aren't crazy about charters. Some private schools are not our biggest fans. Both political parties have issues with us. I mean, we really should move past a two-party system, but that's a different episode. What is really going on here? Why do people hate charters? 2021 kicked off the Texas legislative session, and there is no better time to bust some myths about charter schools. All right, you ready to dig in? Ready. So in general, how's it going for us?
1: We're having a good session. Um, Cautiously optimistic. One thing that's been really great for all of public education, Charters Day and ISDs, is is that legislators committed last year and uh, during this pandemic, before session even started, to public education funding. So we haven't had to fight tooth and nail for the dollars they They've been really good about committing. We, we reformed in HB3, and we're not going to roll back just because of the pandemic.
0: Which you believe is great for all schools, right? All schools, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
1: <laughs> the thing that's difficult for us in session is that when it does come to a charter bill, anti-charter, pro-charter, um, either way— We have a hard time getting to the meat of the actual legislation. What does this bill really do? Because you'll see in hearings and on the House floor and the Senate floor that the conversation just dissolves into this general philosophical question about charters. Mm -hmm. Because there's not a real concrete understanding across the board of what is a charter? What do they do? There's a lot of misinformation out there
0: got it so let's dig into some of the misinformation um, so some of the major claims that I hear from the charter camp like it starts with charter steal money from independent school districts any hmm. truth to this that's definitely the number
1: one thing you're gonna hear from our opposition camp this is not a true statement charter schools and ISDs both funded with with public money charters don't receive local funds though only state funds so in Texas money follows the student if a If a student transfers out of an ISD, then their funding from the state does follow them to the charter, which is where the myth comes from, right? They're they're stealing this money from the ISD. But the thing is, the local funding, a portion of that goes away, um, but none of it goes to the charter, and a large chunk of it stays at the ISD. So the actual per-student funding increases, and there was just a really great study, um, independent research that was done, that showed really across the nation and in Texas, that when a charter is in the zone of the ISD, their per-student funding increases.
0: So what you're telling me is that ISDs have more money as a result of charters being in the space? More money per student, for sure. Okay, so the interesting thing about this money follows the student, or dare I say, this stealing concept, is that when it comes to student of color that's when it's stealing. Um, so as we know, or at least in my experience, when you go to a private school, no one says the private school is stealing kids. But when it comes to black and brown low-income students, all of a sudden we're stealing. That seems to be no accident. It just seems like these racist tendencies are permeating every element of our education system. I mean, why are black and brown students being treated as commodities? Can you speak to why you think this, like, concept of theft arises when we talk about giving black and brown low-income students choice?
1: Yeah, I, I can speak to part of it. It's a nuanced question. Um, I think you're right on the nose, though. Uh, I think a big piece of it is that we generally don't believe in the agency of black and brown parents. When a white family chooses to put their kid in a charter or homeschool or Private school, we we understand that that we believe in their agency and we trust that family to choose what's best for their their kid. Um, in general, the systems that we've created don't place that same trust and uh, don't speak about the same level of individual liberty. Right for our Black and Brown families, there's this idea of we need to we know what's best for them. We need to choose for them. So it leads to this idea of numbering uh, these kids and divorcing that choice from the parents. Uh, and we, we have a system where we are, we're deciding what's best for these kids, uh, and they're our commodities now.
0: I mean, the, the concept of that, if we just pause for a second, the idea that I, as a black woman, would not know what's best for my own children is utterly absurd. Yeah, absolutely. I dare a school system to know my child better than I know them. And so this idea, it, it like makes my blood boil and my skin crawl when I'm in environments and people are so ready to say they're stealing our kids. Who is they? <laughs> Am I stealing my own <laughs> when I give them choice about where we go and what we access on their behalf? Um, so I almost want to issue like some caution about how people talk about charters because like... Your privilege is kind of seeping out um, and your beliefs about who has choices also seeps out.
1: Yeah. And I think there's also this idea that we're comfortable um, making our black and brown students martyrs to a system that's broken. You know, if if you leave your community school is community school is being an ISD, um, there's this thing of, like, disloyalty. Like, oh, they need you there. The school is failing. You need to stay. That's not something that we tell white families. Like, we're willing to make you a martyr for this, this school that's failing. No, they they get their kids out, and nobody ever bats an eye.
0: Absolutely. I think it's important to keep in mind, I am not just pro-charter. I'm pro-choice. And so if you have a neighborhood school that meets your needs, excellent. I am about kids having choices to attend excellent schools and families having choices to attend excellent schools. If your independent school district offers you an excellent education, I wouldn't suggest you leave. But if it does not, you should have every option available to you to ensure that you had the educational experience that I was able to have. Can you tell us a little bit about your educational experience?
1: I graduated from a traditional uh, public school in ISD. Um, but I grew up in a family of five kids, and in that uh, group of five, three of us graduated from ISDs. Um, one of my siblings graduated from homeschooling, and the other graduated from a charter. Um, and in the mix, throughout our 12 years of education, um We all went to private schools sometimes, were homeschooled at certain points because my parents believed that one size doesn't fit all for every child, even within one family, and not one size doesn't fit all for a child across the lifetime of their educational experience. So there were times where we were shifted from school to school because things weren't working. Um, And I will say, coming from a white family, nobody ever told my parents, you know, how dare you? Uh, how dare you abandon this school? You're being disloyal to the school or um, God forbid, a, a administrator say that they didn't have the right to do that. I
0: mean, it, it's interesting, right? So I also started out in public school, K to eight, and then for high school, went to a college prep school um, to ensure that I was, college-ready. I was not going to be college-ready at the public school that I attended um, and was at the top of my class, which quickly meant very little. And then in high school, uh, one of my teachers accused me of plagiarizing a paper that I had written myself because she said there was no way I was smart enough to come up with content such as that. Wow. Sounds very Karen-y, huh? And <laughs> yeah. as a result... Um, I was threatened to be kicked out of school and lose my tuition. Wow. Here comes advocacy and agency. My parents met with the dean, et cetera, and proved that I had written it myself. And as a result, she said, I will give her a B. Wow. And my parents (laughs) said, if you thought she couldn't, she didn't have the capability to write a paper, then clearly it's an A.
1: Right, right. And it
0: was like... Oh, I guess I'll mm-hmm. give her an A. No, I earned an A and she lost her job. Wow. But that's advocacy and agency and what it means in the education system. Right. But as a black woman, if I didn't have someone fighting for me the entire way, I don't know where I'd be instead.
1: Mhm. And we say the charter landscape is a tide that lifts all boats for all of of public education and in the story that you just told your parents being empowered to you know go to the school advocate for you um, there's a piece of me that really feels that when we advocate for a choice for our charter parents Uh, I'm hoping that we we penetrate that mindset, that overall mindset that says you can stand up and choose things for your kids. So even if you do end up staying in your local ISD, when something like that happens, you are empowered to say, number one, I have other options. I'm not stuck here. But even if I do want to stay, let's change, let's see some changes, you know, which was the promise of charters when they were, uh, when they were mandated in 1995, was that they're going to come into this public education landscape and they're going to improve all of the schools around them because we're, we're telling people, you don't have to be happy with the status quo if the status quo isn't serving you or designed specifically to you know,
0: hold you back. Exactly. I mean, what you just described sounded like a relationship, right? If I can only date one person, you get what you get. No, I have options out here, right. Right? right? And as a result, if you're not meeting my expectations, I need you to do better, or I'm going to walk away. Right. And so it's mind-blowing to me that in every area of life, we would say, don't stay in that abusive relationship. They are failing you. But in this one, we say, please stay. The system and the generations can fail on the backs of your children.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So do you see this as a blue or red topic? In
1: my mind, this is a nonpartisan issue. Um, Unfortunately, we do... Live in a world where the charter issue has been co-opted uh, and has been politicized. Uh, that's going to that happens right now. It's been co-opted and politicized by the right. Uh, so we do have more advocates on the red side of the aisle. So as a result of that, you see the other side of the aisle pulling away from the issue. Um, you know, when when President Obama was was the president, he was pro charter. Uh, Vice President Biden at the time was also pro-charter now as the president biden is not fully anti-charter but he has said you know we need stricter regulations around charters like let's limit these things so you see the left pulling back from charters and charter uh, advocacy in direct opposition to what the right has done, which was made charters like a red meat issue. Um, when you do that, it makes it toxic to anyone on the other side of the aisle when either, when either party does that. So there, it is becoming increasingly polarized. And, and part of our work in advocacy is, is trying to suck some of that toxic politics out of the conversation.
0: Yeah, we've spent a lot of time throughout our episodes talking about false dichotomies. And I think this is another one. I have yet to find someone who does not believe that all children deserve an excellent education, especially their own. So if you ask any parent, does my child deserve an excellent education, regardless of their political views, the answer would be yes. And so I wonder just how that falls apart as we move into spaces and take strong stances. But as someone who spent the majority of my career working in school districts that are traditional. I was told only vitriolic things about what charters are. Um, And one of those things was just around public money, accountability to the public, and transparency. So let's talk about funding a little more because when it comes to money and where the money resides, where the money resides, it all falls apart. Um, So can you tell us a little bit more about charter school funding and charter first ratings and some of the parameters in place to ensure that people are held accountable?
1: Right, right, yeah. This is something that you hear from anti-charter advocates a lot that charters take public money and then they're not held accountable to the public. Some of this narrative stems from the fact that charters don't have uh, elected school boards and that's where they think that the public oversight should come in. Um, But the reality is that accountability metrics for charters are much higher than ISDs. It's uh, a bargain that that we made early on, which is give our schools increased flexibility, let us be a little bit more innovative, uh, and in exchange, we'll have higher accountability metrics. We'll be more transparent than an ISD. Texas has some of the highest accountability and transparency uh, laws around charters than any state in the in the nation. Um, We're we're subject to the school financial integrity rating, first rating, uh, through TEA. It's an incredibly extensive report, and then those are made public to make sure that when we take this public funding, we're using it in the classroom. Uh, Beyond that, charters are subject to the same A through F rating system that ISDs are, but the difference between charters and ISDs is that if an ISD is failing, it can be failing for a very long time, and we know this, we see this, it's heartbreaking if a charter fails three years in a row, the charter's revoked, they're immediately shut down.
0: Got it, so let's dig into one more myth in this first installment, but I I have to say, this one's hard to even say out loud because it's so incredibly untrue. Um, So shout out to our teachers. But the last myth we're gonna discuss in this episode is about the fact that charter teachers are not as good as teachers at independent school districts, blah.
1: Yeah, I, I saw this? The, I saw your face. It, it saw that it hurt coming out. It's
0: gross. It's just <laughs> gross. But yeah. where did it come from?
1: No. We love you, yes, prep teachers. Sorry you had to hear that. But you have to hear it if you get on, you know, if you're on, if you're following all of the charter people on Twitter, you'll see that this myth comes up over and over and over again. And where it stems from, you know, every myth kind of has, like, something that they bent to make it this. The myth probably comes from the fact that charters, unlike ISDs, can hire teachers that aren't certified. but that doesn't mean our teachers are of lower quality. Um, At Yes Prep, you have the opportunity to get certified through the Teaching Excellence Program while you teach here. Um, But overall, charter teachers are more likely to hold advanced degrees. Charters spend much more money than their ISD peers on professional development. And it's also worth noting that charters tend to hire a much more diverse teaching populace, which is really important when you think about how diverse our student body
0: is. Just to clarify, as someone who has worked both in ISDs and charters, ISDs also hire teachers who aren't certified. (laughs) Um, Given the talent pipelines in our country, you have to to fill all your classrooms. And then they're also enrolled in alternative certification programs during their first year and are getting certified as they teach. So it's just fundamentally untrue. Um, And for my teacher friends who work in both ISDs and who work in CMOs, there are excellent teachers in every system, Mm -hmm. whether private, public, traditional, charter, and none of our students and many of us would not be where we are without excellent teachers. Um, So that one kills me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just as there are excellent teachers everywhere, there are some not-so-great teachers everywhere, um, and they get squeezed out of current places faster than others. So we covered quite a bit of ground in this first installment. We'll be back for a part two. uh, But I want to leave you with a quote from Foster Bennett. Your life is the sum result of all the choices you make, both consciously and unconsciously. If you can control the process of choosing, you can take control of all aspects of your life. You can find the freedom that comes from being in charge of yourself. After all, all we're chasing is to create agency so that people can be in charge of themselves. Landsman, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. As the first majority minority city in our country, it's time to set the example. Let's lead Houston forward. This has been an episode of Honest Conversations.